the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There are those who would say that God deals with each person differently, especially if you're a Jew or you're not a Jew. The Apostle Paul says, no, that's not it. We'll explore what he does say next, here on Abounding Grace. It is the justice of God that we have under the microscope today. Hi there, and welcome to Today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. God's righteousness is always on the table for discussion. So many want to claim that he's not as righteous as he claims to be, but that, as we'll find out today, just simply isn't true. God's justice and righteousness is on display today out of Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner in today's program. Nothing should be more important to us in all of this life than the honor of God. Nothing. And so that we will understand how to honor God, He has given us His Word. Now you will encounter many, encounter many men in this life who will say, oh yes, We ought to honor God, but let his words come to us and press us. Let it challenge our own precious ideas. And then we'll see, are our hearts really humbled before him? Do we really desire to submit to him and learn of him and honor him? Or is for us honoring God just a slogan, just something we do to feel better? For an hour or two on Sunday. This is the reason God has given us his word. To utterly transfix us by his majesty and by his wisdom. So that we will recognize our own foolishness and our need of him. So we will cling to his word no matter what the cost. And so we will defend it against all the attacks of evil men and Satan. If this means we suffer a little bit. So be it. If this means that we lose the world's respect, so be it. If this means that even some of our family members think we are a bit nutty because of our allegiance to God's word, that is a small price to pay for honoring the Son of God who loved us and died for us. Now, I realize to talk this seriously today, Many people will scoff at it and say, don't you know that this afternoon there's a great baseball game on? I mean, come on, there's gun legislation that's important being proposed and thousands of babies were murdered this week in their mother's womb. So don't give me all of this Roman three stuff. Don't give me all this serious stuff about God's honor and glory. Give us something relevant Give us a word about something current. Well, let me tell you, 
one of the reasons everything that is current is absolutely irrelevant is because none of it is concerned with the glory of God. And God's glory is exposing all of that by driving men to madness. Do you know why men are so little concerned with the details of doctrine? They are so little concerned with what God has done for us in his word because we have such low views of his majesty. We just don't fear him. We don't honor him. We're much more concerned about our own lives, our own feelings, the problems we're going through. And moreover, religious questions today are mere personal opinions. Truth claims of scripture are myths, dogmas, but it is not God's holy will and word. So we are called back in these verses from this dreamland in which we live today because we see the apostle here defending the honor and the majesty of God against all of the lies and the falsehoods and the objections of men. And we ought to be moved to repentance for our low views of God's glory, our low views of the Savior who is the truth of God, And we ought to be motivated and willing to defend his truth. When God's truth is being attacked, beloved, silence is treason. It is cowardice. It is unbecoming those who seek to be faithful servants of the Lord Jesus. Paul here answers three attacks in these verses. Verses 1 and 2 are the first attack. Verses 3 and 4 are the second attack. And verses 5 through 8 are the third attack. And his main purpose in these verses is to defend the faithfulness and the justice of God. Now, he doesn't give us who the specific opponent is. I could easily see, though, that it would have been the unbelieving Jews. For how would you like to be told... If you had been in Abraham's fa- been part of Abraham's family, and it's a thousand years now that your circumcision has become uncircumcision because you don't have faith in the Messiah and you don't devote yourself to God's obedience. No wonder the Jews were upset. No wonder the New Testament clearly identifies the Jews as the first cent- in the first century as the leading persecutors of the church and the leading opponents of the gospel. But others are going to come forward besides the Jews because these verses press on things that still press men and squeeze us in areas we don't like to be squeezed. Such things like God is fully sovereign and in control and is right whenever he judges. And we are condemned before his justice And we can make no excuses or plead any unfairness before him. If he gets glory for judging us, then praise be to his name. But no one wants to hear that today. And of course, other people want to use, as we see, and Paul dealt with it in the first century, grace is a cloak to live as you please and as license. But Paul begins with a circumcision question in verse 1 of chapter 3, following right up on chapter 2. Hey, 
Is there any point of being a Jew? Is there any advantage to being a Jew, to having circumcision? I mean, if it became uncircumcision, then what was the profit of it, Paul asks. And Paul said there in verse 2, much every way. Much every way. Even though many Jews rejected the spiritual significance of circumcision, they never had the reality. The external blessing only filled them with pride. And they never sought the inward renewal to which circumcision pointed. Still, it was very profitable to be a Jew and to have circumcision. He says chiefly here, which in Greek is first. It is as if Paul is really starting a list of things here. But it probably just means this is the first thing of significance you have received from God. Which is why the King James translates it chiefly. And he says, as a Jew, we were given the oracles of God. We should, be, should let this sink in for just a minute. What are God's oracles? It's actually a form of the word logos in Greek, and it means divine utterances. And I think specifically what Paul has in mind here is all of God's promises. His covenant of grace, free forgiveness, the promise of the Messiah. I mean, if for no other reason to be a Jew, to have circumcision was the most magnificent thing in the old covenant world because... They had God's word. They had God's holy scripture. And without that word, they would have been left in the same darkness as all of the other peoples of the old heathen world. But every other blessing flows to us from this chief blessing that God has spoken to us. In our darkness, he has come down to us and given us light. In our sinfulness, he has promised forgiveness. In our hopelessness and in our fear of death, he shows the way to his eternal kingdom. And how does he do all of this? He does it through his oracles, through his holy word. So Paul says, just because I have said to you that in the Jews' unbelief, circumcision became uncircumcision, it does not mean that those external blessings were worthless or that in being a Jew, you may as well have been a heathen. No. What do we learn from this? One, that we must never despise the outward blessings and benefits and signs of God's covenant, which are for us today, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, it's true Circumcision itself did not profit them, that is the majority of the Jews, nor baptism for us. And Paul is going to take that up now in verses 3 and 4. But for the moment, he wants to do something else. He wants to hold them and us enraptured with the goodness of God and giving us his word and in giving us his outward signs and seals of his word. Think what it means for God to give us his oracles, his holy word. It is an incredible mercy 
that you have been born in a time of history where you have access to God's word from your earliest days. This nation hasn't sunk into barbarism. It has not sunk into absolute violence. And one of the reasons why that is, is that we have God's oracles and there is light here. What mercy. That is such a treasure, beloved. It is a pearl worth more than all the riches of the entire universe put together. When God gives us his oracles, he literally gives us himself because he communicates with us. He encourages us. He fellowships with us. He teaches us. He brings us up out of the dunghill and the filth of our sin and points us to forgiveness and peace and righteousness through his son. And he teaches us through his laws the way to live and to please him. No mysteries here. God says, I don't want anyone to be in doubt about what it means to honor me. I don't want anyone to be in doubt of what it means to honor my name. Worship me as I command. Keep my Lord's day holy. Honor your parents. No murder, no adultery, no theft, no false witness. Perfect contentment with what my providence brings me. I don't want any doubts of how to honor me. So I'm giving you my oracles, beloved. Now that ought to be enough. But then he says, I know you're weak. And I've given you my written word. And now you have the whole thing. So I'm going to do something else for you. I'm going to give a sign to you. So you'll know that I really mean it. In a little bit, I'm going to feed you my supper so that you can taste and see and know that the Lord is good. I I know you're weak. I know your days are filled with all kinds of things. I know sin is continually besieging you so that the good you want to do, you find yourself not doing. And the evil you don't want to do, you find yourself doing. And you say with Paul, as holy as that man was, I have not yet obtained. I'm still reaching forward, he said. You say with Asaph, that holy man, as godly as he was, every morning I plague myself. Or you can say with Solomon, who can say I have made my heart clean, that I'm pure from my sins. God knows this. He knows our weakness. Like Job. If I should answer him, how could I? For he is righteous and I am not. So what does God do? He says, I'm going to give to you in the Old Testament circumcision. And it may never profit you as we will see in just a minute. But he says, that's not my fault. It's yours. Yet I'm going to give it to you as a sign that there is cleansing through the blood of the substitute. He says to you, I give you baptism and you're washed. Have you looked to the Lamb of God today? Did you say, Lord Jesus, cleanse me just like the rainwater cleanses the air? Beloved, you are cleansed. Believe the gospel. And if you find yourself weak, say, Lord, I believe. And we all have to say this at times. Oh, Lord, help my unbelief. 
When you take the bread and the Lord's Supper, what are you supposed to remember? That would have been my wrath. But the Son of God actively gave His body in which He obeyed God's law and kept every one of His commandments and always did those things that pleased Him. He gave that body as a burnt offering for my sins on the cross. And when you drink the cup of wine, you're reminded, I am cleansed through the body by His stripes. I am healed. So you see, Paul can say, these sacraments, these signs of God's covenant are not in vain. So for us, we should hold these things and the highest honor. And our hearts should be deeply moved for God's goodness to us. Granted, many professing disciples today live in opposition to their baptism. And many in certain denominations even spit on God's word. But this should only increase our thankfulness for God's goodness. This should only humble us all the more. It should decrease our pride. If you came this morning pridefully and said... Well, I'm going to a Reformed church, and we are going to hear an exegetical sermon. And we don't have any screens here or musical instruments, so we got a lot of things to boast about here. Shame on you. If God has preserved anything remotely approaching pure worship here or anywhere, if he has given us his word at all, proclaimed by the weakest men anywhere, if everyone is flocking in another direction, the hearts of God's people throughout his church should be humble and thank him and fall on their faces before him, recognizing it is his mercy. It is not me. It is mercy. It is not my performance. It is mercy. It is not my ability. It is mercy. It is not my intelligence. It is mercy. It is not my tradition it is mercy so i will sing of mercy and of god's glor glorious goodness to me that's what our heart should say when god gives us his oracles and he gives us these sacrament but verses three and four think about this if god's word is so precious why did so many of the jews not believe it. Why didn't it profit them? Why didn't God give the Jews grace to believe it and perseverance to continue in it? I mean, God's faithfulness is on the line here, as well as our own confidence that this is a precious treasure, the power of God unto salvation. Notice there in verse 3, shall their unbelief make their faith of God without effect? There's a clear, clear contrast here. The true faith of God, the truth of God, the faithful religion and revelation of Almighty God. But the majority of them did not believe that. Some might take this to mean that God's word is rendered void, ineffectual, powerless. I mean, it may be a great thing, but it was powerless to save them. And it is even negated by man's unbelief. Even as many people in our world today argue... That since so many people that profess to be Christians lead ungodly lives, therefore, this is all just a myth. And there's no power in God's word. There's no legitimacy to God's word. 
That's the kind of thing Paul is dealing with here. If God's word is so precious, if his oracles and his circumcision, his covenant made it worthwhile to be a Jew, and so many of them still did not believe it, what then is the power of God's word? What of the faithfulness of God? And notice the beginning of verse 4. Paul gives the strongest utterance that he can possibly give in Greek. He says in Greek, meganoito. In English, it should be translated very strongly, God forbid. Literally, it means may it never be, God forbid. And then an imperative follows. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Now listen closely. The unbelief of sinners, the unbelief of any of us, does not cast the faintest shadow of doubt Upon the faithfulness of almighty God. Beloved men are liars. They like the Jews can receive God's blessings. They can receive the law of God through the hands of angels. They can be fed by God's own hand in the wilderness. With manna in the morning. And with quail in the evening. And water from a rock. They can have godly judges and kings. They can have God's prophets. Prophetic presence. They can have Isaiah preached to them. They can have Jeremiah preached to them. They can have Amos preached to them. They can have Samuel preached to them. And yet even after centuries of God's protection and of his faithfulness, turn away from him. Men are liars. What is revealed, Paul says here in verses 3 and 4, by the Jews' unbelief? It's not God's inconsistency. It's not God's powerlessness. It is our hardness of heart and our ingratitude against God. We are the giddy, the stubborn, the thankless creatures who can receive all of God's benefits and His blessings and all of His word and His sacraments and yet just go on our own way and do our own thing. Be filled with pride rather than humbled by his goodness to us. Oh, God is ever faithful. He keeps his promises. In fact, God's faithfulness here shines more brightly in the light of the Jews' unbelief. Because Paul will say later in Romans fifteen nine, God did what he said he was going to do. He sent Jesus Christ to be the minister of circumcision to the Jews. So we have got to get away from thinking that if those who have God's word are unfaithful or prove to be ungrateful and fall away, that there's something wrong with God's word or God's faithfulness. And do you know we do this and why some at that time did this, just as some do today this, and that is we measure God by man's standards. And when we do this, we will always be tempted to stand in judgment of him, to think that we are wiser than him. But it is perilous to go to court with God. Notice what Paul says there in verse 4. He quotes from Psalm 51, David's confession, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, O Lord, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. What Paul is saying here is, don't go to court with God. 
because he's always going to be justified in what he says. And he is always going to overcome when puny man dares to stand and question him for his righteousness. We must not measure God's faithfulness by our inconstancy, but we must measure him by him. We must measure him by his own majesty. He always keeps his promises. Listen, men turn. God never changes. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.